Hey, everybody. Q's back. And look, he brought friends. <laughs> and Gage, indeed. Knock it off, Q. It's an all-new episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek podcast. Q and Jean-Luc get to know each other. Where he's right in Jean-Luc's ear. Oh, right. There's a little bit of this. Q is dangerous. A little bit of that. Next stop, the other side of the galaxy, Mr. Data. Q who? Coming at you right about now. Hey, welcome everybody to STTNG's Hi, Jimmy. Not another Star Trek podcast. I am Commander Dave E. Dave. And I am Ambassador Andrew, your podcasting pal. We've just opened the shuttle bay doors. Come, come on in. Hailing frequencies, Dave. This is a podcast where we rewatch Star Trek The Next Generation, all 178 episodes of it, Andrew. And, but and, not at once, not at once. We're doing uh, it one at a time. That's that's all our old asses can handle in a week. One episode <laughs> of this thing. I got to tell you, man, this is one of those episodes where I did not fall asleep when I was watching it. I, I stayed awake to the whole damn thing, Andrew. Wow, it's a miracle. This episode made Dave younger than ever. This episode changes shit up is what it yes. does. This is episode 16. Season two, and it's called Q Who. He's back with us. Yes, he is, Dave. You're correct. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. That's quite an astute observation, Dave. Thank you. I, I thought maybe you'd add to that in some way. So the <laughs> you know when someone says something, you think there's going to be more words right. after that, and then the words don't come. So and 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 almost more importantly, this is the introduction of. Our super villains, our big baddies for this show, and 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 the baddies throughout Star Trek moving forward, the Borg man, the Borg, as uh, Alfred Word's character Lily will say, sounds Swedish. Sounds like a tennis player, Dave. <laughs> it would have been nice just to have one Borg named Bjorn. It wouldn't have hurt him. This is pre-Bjorn, though, right? No, this is not pre-Bjorn Borg. I mean, Bjorn Borg is is uh, happily retired by the time this is. Is it? Around. Is he? Oh All right. yeah, sure. What Bjorn, the hell? He got other things to do. So wait, now, now you're telling me I don't know very much about Star Trek, and I also don't know a thing about tennis. No, or Swedes. <laughs> well, that's clear. Yeah. So, Andrew, why don't you tell us what happens on this fateful episode? Oh, gosh, I'd love to. All right, let me tell you. So it's the Enterprise, right? And it's tooling along when a new ensign, a brand new ensign, Sonia Gomez, she spills her cocoa on Jean-Luc in the middle of engineering. Ouch! And then to add insult to second-degree injury, Q kidnaps Jean-Luc in an attempt to get the captain to let Q join the Enterprise crew. Not, not, not Not again, Q! Because according to Q, they need him. After a lot of back and forth and batonage and comic hijinks, Q returns Jean-Luc to the Enterprise and is surprised to discover Guinan Goldberg aboard. (laughs) Well, it appears these two have history, but we'll save that for another time or another series or another 20 decades or so. Oh, never! 
Because to prove his point about being needed, Q snaps the Enterprise 7,000 light years deeper into the universe. But Picard and company decide, all right, that's cool. Let's go with the flow. We'll look around a bit. Hold on, Data. Keep it together. We'll roll with this one. And who do they run into? They're looking around. Boom. First contact with the Borg. Holy shit, man. It's the goddamn Borg. I mean, I'm losing my mind right now. Mr. Data, look what's happening. What's going to happen? How can the Enterprise survive? Holy shit. Look at this, Will. Holy shit. I mean, there's Gomez and other stuff going on, but, but damn, Dave, the Borg. The Borg. Deanna, you sitting down? Of course you are. Look at this, Deanna. Mr. Data, Mr. Data, look what's happening. It's funny, a lot of stuff happens in this episode. It really does a lot. We get Q, yes. but before that, we get this Sonia Gomez. She's a potential love interest in the making for Jordy. And we get this awkward scene with her in the beginning where she has been propelled into this position where she's now working in engineering. I think she was transferred here, right? She was like the best of her class. Sorry, some, some foolishness like that. And then there she is. The flagship of the Federation. This is the most exciting moment of her career. And there she is clutching carefully her cup of cocoa. And wouldn't you know it? Jean-Luc doesn't watch where the fuck he's going. You don't walk around engineering with a cup of hot chocolate for crying out loud. Yeah, no food, beverages, or smoking allowed in engineering. Uh, I have a big computer set up because I do some other computer stuff in another world. And I don't eat or drink things on top of my very expensive electronic stuff i just don't do it yeah but she's walking around with a cocoa probably that she got out of a vending machine it, you know it's probably got the little uh card suits uh hand of cards there and she's just about to look under the cup and spill it anyway when when johnny runs right into her and i gotta tell you i understand the whole thing is that that sonia gomez runs into to jean luke but that's also pretty klutzy of john luke you know, I mean, the guy could. I understand he's the captain and everything. He's got to get in the, get out of his way. I guess his his Majesty has come down to engineering, and we never even find out why. I like right? this take on it. I think he came down to get that hot chocolate spilled on him. What are you talking about? The, <laughs> he smelled he smelled hot chocolate. And he came running right down. What's funny is that there was an episode a couple episodes back, Riker and Picard, and they're on the phaser range together. Remember that? Yes. And yes. we were commenting about the moves that Jean-Luc had in that scene because he has this like kind of it's he like keeps a his hand up. He keeps his hand up and like like he's making a weird uh pantomime duck or something. Yeah, it's he's... almost like a fencing feint or something. Like he's got it up yeah. there and he's like uh, yeah. uh I, I I'm feigning this way. Uh, d- d- don't look at my hand here. He has shown some kind of agility, but not when it comes to um rushing into the uh, engine room and 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 not when there's hot chocolate involved. I mean, if he somehow survived all these adventures, and yet he can't dodge a cup of cocoa, <laughs> I mean, that should at least be on the captain's test. That should that should be on some sort of Federation uh, Academy well, test. In his in his defense, he didn't get that upset about it. He was he was miffed. What is she, an ensign? What is she? Yeah, she's an ensign. Don't ensign worry Sonia about Gomez. it, ensign. You've burnt all of my chest hairs off. I'll I'll recover. Well, we know for a fact, because we have seen the captain without his shirt, that he's got a pillow. Right. Well, maybe. Of, of fine, fine gray down. That's great. Uh, I don't know why that's you know, 
I don't know why that's grossing me out, but it is. <laughs> it's just absorbed the cocoa. <laughs> come here, so, yeah. I mean, honey, honey, just... come here. Lay your head here. You'll see how see how soft <laughs> see how soft it is. It's like a sleep setting. Come here, come here, darling. Please, please enjoy. Please enjoy Jean Luc's pelt, uh, uh, baby. Come here. Set your sleep. Set your sleep number. Oh my. Set your, set your sleep number to stun. <laughs> it would be it'd be great if they had a scene where he was like combing it out, like he had like he had a little brush, yeah. like you use for your dog. Right. <laughs> he's vain about it because he doesn't have hair on his head, right? right? So he's totally vain about this pelt that he has on his chest that he's actually growing, and one day he's gonna he's gonna shave it, and just put it on the top of his head. <laughs> And then Sonia Gomez spills cocoa all over it. He's like, my pelt, my beautiful pelt. I never thought about it like that. That's good. <laughs> well, it's some uncharacteristic uh, zaniness. It, 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 that's actual she, zaniness. Well, her character was a bit zany. And, and, and she was, you know, she was stressed out. Would you call her? I didn't call her. I didn't call her ditzy, but, I, but she behaves like a ditz. You know, I just I love seeing these characters that they pretend might reoccur. And I, I got excited when I saw her. I thought, wow, I don't remember her continuing on in this thing. And and unfortunately, she doesn't. She's, I think, in one more episode, right? Yeah, she's in the next episode. And she may be in one episode after that. They weren't happy with it, the character. I mean, I guess they were happy enough with the... I, can I do my fun fact? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's yes, time please. for my fun fact, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew's Fun Fact. Let's put some music behind it, Dave, where we do funny music and misbehave. Bring the kids in the room, have them take a seat. Andrew's going to tell them something neat. Andrew's Fun Fact. (laughs) You better move out of that house pretty soon because you haunted it with that (laughs) song, man. (laughs) Anson Sonia Gomez is, in fact, played by famed actor Lycia Naff. Uh, Lysia Naff, famous for portraying the three-breasted mutant in Paul Verhoeven's classic version of Total Recall, starring Austrian strongman Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my God. Hey, movie phone. <laughs> bitty, bitty, bitty. Movie bitty, phone. Bitty, bitty, It's me. Your voice excites me. Bigger, bigger. <laughs> and I was really excited about Sonia Gomez, too, regardless of this whole idea that she was going to be a love interest for Jordy. Yeah. That that was just another strong female possible possible strong yes. female character, a person of color. I, I I I like her. I think she's delightful. I think she would have been a lot of fun. But she is good in this. I get that she's a little goofy, but I think it's fun. We were talking last episode about Kate Pulaski. I think this kind of second run of characters in some way maybe got a little more attention and and she certainly did. I just was wondering if they were trying to give a little more character to another secondary character in the background and I think it would have been interesting to see her return more than than she did. I mean O'Brien, I guess you would call him like the second, you know, cast, but Yeah, sure. I think we get Barkley returning and is he the only one? Reg Barkley, uh, he'll show up a few times and sometimes he just shows up cuz he's there. Other right. times he shows up cuz he's the function of the plot. And I think that's kind of the difference too that you have these characters like Sonia Gomez and and Miles O'Brien who are there to do crew things and add to the story. Right. Um but they aren't necessarily the focus of the story. Uh, Rosa Gawa is going to show up the nurse for uh 
when Beverly Crusher comes back. And it's just nice that when when they fill it in a little bit, not not yeah. everyone has to be a Mr. Data, so that you can have some characters like that, especially in a show this large. I guess they didn't like it. They didn't like the cut of her jib. They didn't like the way the character worked. So poor Jordy gets no development, and later on has to stalk Leia Brahms in the uh, uh, in the holodeck <laughs> the, in a rather uncomfortable and creepy ass way. I want to say something uh, before we move off of Lycia Naff again, because you know she's infamous for this three-breasted woman, which I don't know. I mean, she definitely answers questions about it now, and it just this is an example of sucky crap for actresses having to do in Hollywood. Yes. I mean, she's perfectly fine in this role and, and all these actors go to Hollywood and they try really hard. And I don't know what percentage of them actually makes it like 1%. And the rest of the people that I've met in my life on this uh-huh. journey that didn't make it to that stardom role are had to do roles like this, you know, had to do these kind of secondary characters and stuff, and they get stuck in the waistband of pop culture as the three-breasted woman from some Paul Verhoeven movie, and it's kind of a bummer, man. Well, I should I should point out that that Sonia Gomez does come back in. Sorry, spoilers, folks, for those who haven't finished season two of Lower Decks, the yes. Paramount cartoon show. She does come back as Captain Sonia Gomez, and it's still Lycia Naff. And you know, we also had talked <laughs> about these cool. folks. These folks who are kind of like in the in the back row of of Comic Con with a table up, and you can you know you can sign their autographs and chat with them. And yeah. I don't know if she's actually done that, but she could do that. I mean, that's yeah. a way to make a living, at least. But see how you conflated those two things together? It cracks me up. It's a total Star Trek thing. You uh, equate her be- coming back as the captain on this animated show, which is totally fine and a great gig for her. But she, the character, doesn't go on a journey where she actually, we get to be rewarded by her becoming a captain. She just shows up as no, a no. background character. It's like Sulu getting his pretend captain. You know, you know, poor George Takei was fighting so hard just so he could have a little backstory where her, his Sulu became captain, right? But right, it's a, right. He's a, he wants to be a captain of a pretend spaceship. It's not really a, you're not a captain, dude. It's it's not real. And you know, it doesn't go home and go like, uh, finally, I did it. I got to be well, captain, none of man. Them, none of them are captains of pretend spaceships. What I don't understand what you're saying. They're all captains of pretend spaceships. It's I not just, like... I'm just saying it doesn't do anything for the poor actress that, you know, 30 oh, years later, okay. they give her a... You know, you come on nice. back. Hey, 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 is that is that the secondary character that was a love interest for Jordy LaForge in episode 40? <laughs> uh, a, a, a potential. No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, give me I, that I, Rolodex. Take... Where's that old Rolodex, Gene? I'm going to I'm going to take I'm going to take issue with that, because I, I think one of the things that is nice about these shows is that someone like Ly- Lycia Naff can occasionally get a gig doing something because she was on an episode of Star Trek. Uh, and that's nice for folks, you know? I it mean, is it's, nice. It's- it is good. I'm just saying, I, I was just trying to say for a lot of people in that that business that bust their ass like she was doing, you know, early on, really young, trying to take these roles. I mean, I a see. lot of it, it okay. doesn't work out for everybody and it works out for almost nobody. It's a kind of a bummer. Not everybody gets to be Patrick Stewart, you know? Well, what do you want me to do? Make a franchise for every loser that comes across the lot? That's not how I operate, Dave. Caw! Caw! <laughs> it's so mean, Gene. Only the stars. They gotta have that special sparkle. You know what I mean, Dave? They gotta shine, baby. Here, yeah, boys, Gene's doing his shine speech. Everybody come in. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Sonia. We, we're moving on. By CNF is Sonia Gomez for three episodes only. 
Sing us the one again about my uh, uh, chest hair and the hot cocoa, Sonia. His warm pelt, number one. Okay, I would like to point out we've spent half an hour talking about this woman and the pelt. We're, we got half an hour to go. Let's get it's the rest It's a show that in. goes all over the galaxy, man. That's why our audience is enthralled by what we're going to say next, Andrew. Come on. Our audience around the world. There is a podcast that's not afraid to spend one half hour talking about a woman fo- with a cup of cocoa and a man's pelt. <laughs> it's not another Star Trek podcast. Not another Star Trek pelt cast. Let's talk about the, the, the other guest who shows up on this episode. Oh, who's that? It's Q, man. It's Q's yeah. third appearance. I'll be. Last time we saw him, wasn't he making people gods and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, to, just to catch everybody up. But Riker last time became a god for about 15 minutes and, and bestowed gifts on half of the bridge crew. And then didn't. Since then, we've had a lot of entities show up, and in particular, this season. Mm-hmm. This season's mm-hmm. been a little more entity-heavy, and I, I kind of miss our first entity. He's back and better than ever. It's Q, and he kidnaps Jean-Luc and takes him to a shuttlecraft because he promised not to interfere with the ship. And I like that. I like that. I mean, yeah. Q's got that whole, you know, Satan thing going where you make a deal with him, and he always finds the... The sort of chinks in the armor there, the cracks in the bargain where he's able to do his shenanigans, but still keeps his word because he's got some honor. He's an honorable entity. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's like the Bugs Bunny of Star Trek. He's got his fingers crossed behind his back all the time, and he he snatches Picard, and they go off in the shuttle. And, you know, it's something I like in the beginning because you don't know where this episode is going at first. It's like, what's going on? Because. They, he kidnaps them. They go off in the shuttle. He, they disappear. It's creepy because they realize the captain is not on board. And what I think is a little funny is that because this is old, you know, we're talking about 1989 at this point. And now in our in modern world, we, all, we have all these devices in our homes and we can locate the crap out of everything. Right. right? You would think that they're. In our real world, this would be what would happen. You would have like some kind of device on Picard so that when he left the ship, an uh, alarm would go off. Like, uh oh, Captain. This has come up before. This has come up way too many times. Yeah. I mean, they're in the middle of space, and somehow this dude just like disappears all the time, or he just climbs into a shuttlecraft or beams himself somewhere. Adios. And we, we, we had talked before about getting a couple of Apple AirTags and just like putting them in his pants or something, because it's impossible <laughs> to keep track of this dude. We've been to his pelt. You just like looking around going, hey, have you seen the captain lately? <laughs> no, no, not so much. It's actually a good scene, though, because they want to talk to the captain. So they hail him. And then the response is <laughs> captain's not on the ship. And they're like, and you're like, holy shit. And that's yeah. when that's when they start looking for him. And. And eventually, he and Q come back together into uh, 10 forward. I have to hang on that shuttlecraft. And we had talked, and when we talked about Times Square, about how small that shuttlecraft is. And it's it's particularly annoying when there's the two of them are in there. And Q, <laughs> Q's got that great scene yes. that has, of course, of course, since become a meme, where he's right in Jean-Luc's ear. Oh, you know, right. he's just like blowing in his ear. Yes. And it's it's like way too close. It's so close. Look, we'll put it up on something because it's such a great shot. I mean, this is acting and these people, you know, getting they're very intimate with each other. And and, and I mean, John Delancey puts his mouth. It's so close to Stewart's ear that he is smelling 
Patrick Stewart. I mean, he's getting like he's smelling. He's smelling Pat Stewart's high karate. He's smelling his he, axe body. He's spray. getting a stink off of him, man. He's getting. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, it's it's really because it's menace. What he's doing is menacing him. And, and well, it's menacing, but it's also because Picard is such a stuffed shirt, right? He's so uptight, right? And and it would have I would have loved it if Q had nipped his ear, just like up, up, you know, and just <laughs> just little, like you know, <laughs> that would have been because great. Picard, Picard would be like. Rah! <laughs> Engage indeed. Knock it off, Q. Because Q is so annoying. I mean, Q is like being in a shellcraft with a three-year-old, right. right? You know, he's like throwing the ball against the wall, throwing his little handball. You don't mind us. We're just gonna spend all of eternity in this freaking right. shuttlecraft together. Right. And Picard Picard's like got that look on his face like someone had just peed in his Earl Grey. He's so he's so he's pitchy. He's, yeah, well, he's really angry. Well, and it's interesting because he has to, the character is playing this god who he knows could just snuff him out. And so there's this game that goes on in these episodes, and especially as it's getting better with Q, where Picard is aware that if he's not keeping Q interested, then he's potentially going to be victimized by Q or his crew will be. And oh, yeah. He's interesting to Q because he stands up to Q. So he's playing this this kind of macho game with him about trying to outsmart him or be smart enough for him or stay ahead of him. And I think as you see what happens in this episode plays out, it goes in a different direction this episode than we've seen it so far in the last two, where, where the, the humans have earned uh, at least the curiosity of Q and, 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 a, and a future visit from him. Well, there's always that level of menace, and I think he's particularly menacing in this episode. Q is dangerous because Q is like Billy Mummy in that Twilight Zone episode, right? Where he's the omnipotent child. He's he's got okay. this this childlike temperament, and he's capable of acting on whim. Just if you if you just look at him the wrong way, right. something apocalyptic could happen, right? So so he's got that kind of temperament. Okay, he's fun. And he's frolicsome, and he likes to poke people with sticks. But his stick is cosmic powered. I mean, he can he can make you disappear. He could blow your head yeah, up. You can, he could throw you seven thousand light years away if you just you know you're having an argument with him or a debate with him. He doesn't like the way it's going, and boom, you're seven thousand light years on the other side of the universe. Now what? You're stardust, man. All you are is dust in the wind. It's funny to think about when I when I think about this this omnipotent power and his attention to the Enterprise in these episodes that he shows up and it makes me wonder what the hell he's doing when he's not there. Like what what is so <laughs> what's going on in the Q universe that is more interesting than messing around with the Enterprise because it's got to be highly interesting because every time he shows up on the Enterprise, you know, these crazy things happen. In my in my head canon, I'd like to speak about my head canon mm. for a minute. I like to imagine that all of these kind of mischievous, mystical imp characters are the same being. So while he's Q here, he's like Mister Mixel Pickalick in Superman. You mean from or he's other the Great Kazoo in the, <laughs> Yeah, he's the Great Kazoo in the Flintstones. Oh he's just God. like this really powerful floating creature who just pops up, causes all kinds of mayhem. And then you make him say his name backwards, and then he's got to disappear. And when he disappears, <laughs> he goes back to to uh, that's Mister Mix. Or however you say it, 
Mitzelblix. And he's got to say his name backwards, and Superman banishes him so he can go back and pester Picard until Picard (laughs) banishes him, and then he goes back and pesters Superman. Your headcanon's all over the place, man. A lot of people have seen the Flintstones in reruns like we did, and that little alien came along. What was his name? The Great Kazoo. (laughs) The Great Kazoo. The thing is, you have a show about cavemen and dinosaurs and all this wackiness. And I think by season three, they were running out of ideas. So they invent this alien from... Kazooville. Yeah, this green alien that comes and observes them. And I think only Barney and Fred are the ones that can see him, right? So it's, it's a funny premise if you think about it. Like an alien comes to the time of early people and is visiting these cavemen and then talking to them. And he does talk to them the way that Q speaks to uh, Picard. He does. He, he calls them dum-dums all the time. That's <laughs> his thing, dum-dums. And he's got a very effete voice, dum-dums. Yeah. You know, and nice I know it's like Paul Lind or something. I don't, yes. I don't know exactly Do that what. again. That's good. Do it again because you sound that's a good Q voice if you can make Why, that. Why, thank you, dum-dums. <laughs> I don't think it's a very good Q voice. Yeah, it's Q's attitude, though. Q, Yes, I, it's his attitude, dum-dum. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's the Q voice. Do that one. I don't know about you, but I felt like Q was a little zanier, a little goofier in this episode. I see, I disagree. I thought he was legitimately scary this time. Really? I, I mean, no, I, he's scary, and, I, and I, I'm not... I'm not being uh you know anti anything with uh delancey because i think he's terrific no i I don't think you are i just wonder if he was retooling him at this point i I, i'm I'm really curious to see how he plays q moving forward i don't remember so i i'm 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 excited about the next q episode because i want to see if if there's a little bit of a transformation going on i I agree he's creepy and scary in this episode but i i felt like he was a little kind of zanier and it's legitimately scary because people actually die this time right he doesn't kill them he doesn't kill them the board kill them but but it's he's indirectly responsible for that but they also shoot him differently in that one conference room scene where he's sitting at the end of the table and he's in darkness right and and the yeah the situation's getting particularly dire you see him make that switch from his kind of you know mischievous imp Q to legitimately scary Q. That's true because he does, in a way, dissolve into the background for a lot of this. And and right. in that way, he presents a sense of menace. You know, they're focused on the Borg when they meet the Borg. They don't count on Q to help them, that's for sure. And so they sort yeah. of disregard him until he puts his big uh, Q nose back into things again. Well, and it's all fun and games until people die. Right. I'm going to put you on trial. Isn't that funny? And then freeze you to death. But even when he froze that ensign in Farpoint, they were able to defrost the ensign. Right. The ensign yeah. yeah. Come to uh, bring the smelling salts, Beverly. And even when, you know, the vicious animal things right. kill Worf, he comes back to life. Everybody comes back to life. Remember, Wesley gets killed. And it's grim and it's grisly and it's shocking, but it's not real. Hide and cue. And this is real. This is lasting. So there's 18 crew members die, right, in this? Yes, yes. Because the Borg dissect apart. They take their core sample. I do want to point out that it's a real good counterpoint to Picard's arrogance. They're so full of hot air sometimes, and Q just cuts through that pretentiousness. And again, usually it's a game, but this time it's not a game. Picard's arrogance here is actually dangerous. Maybe they are making him more of a menace in this episode. And maybe it was my reading of that that comes off 
different. I mean, there is something different about it. And I think when you when you put it that way and you think about how he shot and you think about his actions, it makes sense that they're playing the character a little bit darker. May You know, I can see that. Oh, don't forget, Q is able to sling another insult at our beautiful Klingon. Mr. Worf. Yes. Mr. Worf. He calls him he's he calls him what he called him last time, which was microbrain. Microbrain. And if the show wasn't so insulting to Worf, I would have a different relationship with Q also coming on and insulting him too. Mm. <laughs> you Klingons are so stupid. Yes. You're such a micro but at least he doesn't make fun of the size of his head this time. That's that's <laughs> yeah, the last he's gotten cl- away from that kind of body uh shaming. Yeah, he's only criticizing his his intelligence. But la- last time it was you you have a micro brain and a macro head. Well, and and Worf is such an easy target for Q, and it always bothers me when Worf like growls at him like Worf's going to do something. <sighs> it's like really you're all you all bark no bite, you know, which we're going to see when the Borg drone shows up. <laughs> right. You know, here's here's your chance to actually growl at something and jump it. And instead, you're like, hey, uh, Ensign, you doing anything? You might want to go over there and attack that robot guy because I ain't going to do it. Don't mind him, fellas. Don't mind him. He's a real pussycat. He's, <laughs> he's a pussycat wrapped in a tog's clothing. <laughs> what, do you want to talk Borg or do you want to talk Guinan? Uh, I got Guinan. Guinan, Guinan, Guinan. How do you like it? How do you like it? Guinan, Guinan, Guinan. Well, this time I like it fine because we actually have, for the first time, we actually have Guinan doing something other than giving, like, young boys advice, right, or flirting with Riker. Here she is actually, like, participating in the adventure, even though it's kind of a weird participation because, no doubt, Whoopi Goldberg's uh, shooting schedule meant she can't do, (laughs) like, normal things like come to the bridge. Right. But she's hiding behind the bar when Q gets there to 10 forward. She just kind of rises up like a, like a Muppet from behind that bar. And it's like, what the hell are you doing back there? Why are you just like, do you sleep back there, Gaiden? <laughs> I, I, I'm in the middle of my relationship with Ted Danson. I have to sleep here on this set. Where else am I going to hook up with Ted? Yeah, but it's it's nice to actually see Whoopi Goldberg being used here. I don't know how much influence she had on what was going on in the show. I mean, she's always good when when she gets on screen on the show and they finally are giving her something. She does that cool thing, too. When when Q shows up, they start flashing their hands at him. Yes. Strange like like there's going to be some going to be some fire from hands. (laughs) It's very it's like the hands that have been used a number of times in the series to zap Riker with electricity. Yes, or, or... yes exactly. <laughs> if I was Riker, I would have been really nervous. I know. It's very, very Emperor Palpatine is what's going on. But then, but it's funny because there's these poses, and then nothing comes out. There's no, there's no magic that comes out of that. Q's like snapping his fingers all the time, but we never see Q shoot fire from his hands, which, which depresses me because I always dig that. Well, it would have been cool, and there's a threat of it. So I guess it's 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 sort of silliness because they both do this to e- each other, and for somehow we don't really understand. But Guinan has some kind of potential threat against Q with this hand gesture, whatever it is. Yes, he he calls her an imp. Speaking of imps, right? He calls her an imp, and he hints at some mysterious past and yes. some mysterious powers. But you know, we never. We never find out what their relationship is. It right. really, it, it does. It bothers me about as much as Riker's going to leave the ship, right? Because I mean, we never find out. 
it's like, oh, Guinan has all this mysterious past. Can't you wait to find out? Well, you'll wait forever. <laughs> Another loose end. Maybe she'll show up as a captain 30 years from now on an animated series about <laughs> secondary characters. What a wonderful well, I, device, Andrew. I will say I was uh, having a conversation with one of our listeners, a young Danny in uh, Colorado. Danny! Danny, Danny, we love you. Boy. And and Danny said that we we might actually be seeing the Guinan Q connection in in the second season of Picard. That's what they're saying, man. The internet is a buzz in, in all the Star Trek uh, uh, chat rooms if people still use chat rooms. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see the trailer uh for P- Picard season 2? I think I saw the first one that came out. I haven't seen the second. Oh, it's good. It's it looks really good. It, it's all the things that I I I want to see. It's it's Q's back, baby. Q's back. Oh, hold on a second. I want to uh, I want I want to refresh you with something. Oh, oof. Ah, equally refreshing. I'm I'm parched. Boobly for the common man. I feel like you're judging me and my Perrier. I only drink these for the show, man. It's 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 my uh, tribute to our half french captain yeah i like to drink boobly because you know i'm cheap i spend i spend all my money on on podcasting gear this is podcasting gear man says i'm writing this off on my taxes how much boobly do i consume (laughs) yeah is this what's going to happen this whole episode is going to dance around the the big cyborg elephant in the middle of the cube i told you when we got to this episode we would do our robot voices every time we talk about the borg it is now time to talk about a borg do you remember the end of season one the neutral zone i do uh, thank you for your uh, uh robo asmr i appreciate that i'm mean, it's gonna put- you are welcome it is going to put me right to sleep tonight the neutral zone which was the last episode of Season one, we have this menacing enemy that's destroying bases on the edge of the neutral zone, Romulan bases, the right? Romulan neutral zone. It was supposed to be the introduction of the of the Borg. We would have seen them there for the first time, but something went wacky at the end of the season. They ran out of money or whatever, and they decided not to do it, right? Right. And it's good news because I don't know what... That season got a little retooling over the summer, over the mm-hmm. hiatus... And it came back as a better show. And I, I would have hate to have had the Borg introduced in that first season, even though that episode would have been better. Well, we know in con- that, that episode Conspiracy that we love so much, the bugs were supposed to be the Borg. And then right. somebody realized, you know, uh, we're not going to pay uh, Patrick Stewart a billion dollars to act against a bunch of claymation bugs. <laughs> they, they came up with something a little more menacing, which obviously was quite successful. Yeah. It worked so much better on so many levels. But yeah, in, at the end of Neutral Zone, they're supposed to be scooping up cities. Right. Right. Like this is the Borg's thing is they scoop up cities. It does depress me that still after all these years, we've never seen them actually scooping up a city. I'd love to see it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the closest we get to it is what happens in this episode where they dissect the Enterprise at one point, and it's weird. And then we get that great shot from the second movie, First Contact, in which the Enterprise watches from space as the Borg go back in time and then recreate Earth right in front of their eyes into this like techno uh, disaster. Yeah, but they don't scoop. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, okay. that's the thing. The they're scooping. supposedly scooping. Now, you, you, when you invest in both worlds, they go down to a planet where the Borg have been, and they're walking around. They're like, oh, hey, look at this big indentation. But I imagine this giant Borg cube with like a shovel in the front, like an old Tonka truck, and it's just like scooping up Earth. And then what are they doing? They're like sifting through the dirt and stuff, like looking looking for change. <laughs> I don't really understand that that whole concept of them scooping stuff up. You know, is there some support drone down there? Like, you know, oh, I hate my dumb job. Like sifting through the dirt. I found a shell and I found I found an Eisenhower dollar. Oh. It's it's like those if you have the pleasure of owning a cat and they make for all for all the people that don't have cats, they make these stupid ass little shovels that you that have holes in them. And 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 look, I mean, this person that invented that shovel is probably a you know a billionaire, right? But you you have to fish out the your cat's crap, and you don't want to lose the uh, the kitty litter or the pellets or whatever, right? Got to keep those things. They're like gold; they're expensive. So you yeah, shake, you shake that, you shake that dirty uh, cat crap sand back shuka, into shuka, the shuka, 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 shuka. Into yeah, the yeah. cat box and then you have to throw away the cat crap for these little fools who live in your house and torture you do you think that's it there's some like yeah. poor borg drone whose job it is to clean out the cat litter box the intergalactic cat litter box it's just a big shovel and they're like shake it shake shake it a little more to the left i think there's an industrial complex in that batch. i believe this society needed more fiber too bad we have obliterated them i we do this fiber thing almost every episode <laughs> yeah there's guy every episode is about fiber every episode there's there's fiber and then there's some uh, there's some <laughs> comment about somebody's nuts i realize <laughs> it, it, I, 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 when i'm editing it it cracks me up because i'm like oh god damn it we had to do the nuts thing again <laughs> couldn't there have been a smarter joke in there i'd like to talk about why the borgers are scary if you don't mind because i i i think it's really interesting to, we we kind of take them for granted now it's really kind of curious to me to talk about what makes them so scary the borg are different than they were originally intended here and they're not the borg that they become later did you know andrew that they originally were supposed to be these bugs like not the i just yeah we just mentioned that no no not the claymation bugs they were supposed to be like full-on suited uh bug creatures like adult bugs it wasn't what yeah it wasn't they were continuing off of the bug idea and there was supposed to be some kind of suit that they wore but the suit became too expensive to fabricate so then they went with this techno look uh with right, these, right. these half human half uh you know machines this and I, cyborg i thing. think that's what you call them cyborgs yeah that that is what you call them and so like they're scary looking because they're these mangled you know creations they're messy compared to how clean everything is on the Enterprise with the carpeting and the wood paneling and the and the smooth edges. And now here come right. the Borg, and the Borg are just bits and pieces everywhere, and there's stuff clicking and moving. There's clearly what looks like a zombie underneath, like a dead person underneath. But then I like the fact, especially because everything is so slick on the Enterprise, here's something really messy and chaotic looking. The Q snaps his fingers, gets them in 7,000 light years away. They get to this place and they come into contact with this big ass cube, the Borg Collective. 
I love the fact that it's a square because the Borg understand you don't need something aerodynamic or slick. Right. But the cool thing about the Borg ship, too, is that there really doesn't seem to be a difference between the interior and the exterior of the ship. Right. It's like there's bits and pieces all over the exterior of that ship, whereas the Enterprise is so smooth. Yeah. Like so very smooth. And and you remember back, we mentioned First Contact, you finally see the crew kind of walking on the hull of the ship. You could not walk on the hull of a Borg ship. No. It'd be like walking through a techno jungle. It's just, there's too many bits and bobs and 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 hoses and pipes and it, stuff. It's a big mess. It's scary looking because of that. And what's kind of cool is for all the complaining we did a few episodes back about the Royale when they stuck our characters in this black room and didn't give them any kind of backdrop or anything, zero art direction in some of the scenes. In this episode, we've got a ton of effects, and one of them is just building that board cube. And it's a, it's a, right. Sometimes there's computer generated spaceships, okay? And sometimes we have things like this, which is a real physical model. I, I think you can see the difference and you can see all the craftsmanship that went into the model and it looks great. And it's something that's that they reuse over and over again. Every time you see a right. board cube, it's the same. It's the same cube. But it's all function, too. I mean, it, there are no aesthetics at all. They really mess up the Enterprise's whole den vibe by looking so badass and messy. I really like that about them. That whole form over function thing is part of that, you know, you can't really reason with them. You don't have anything you can offer them. They know what they want. They want your technology or they want you. And that's it. And right. there's no like, listen, what if I give you a couple of ensigns and uh, a few of these, we have some some converters over here we're not using. And I think Jordy has a cocoa machine that the captain right. wants taken out. We'll give you that. And we'll just be on our way. Would that be okay, Mr. Bork? <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, no. We want everything. Uh, I, I, I fired that Terry Hatcher. She played Lois Lane. She used to work down in the transporter. Remember? Yes. Uh, she's available. Take her. But you can't trick him. You can't blackmail him. It's, it's interesting. We never see Q interact with the Borg, right? Even though Q is the entryway to the Borg. Right. We never see them interact, which would be a weird interaction because his whole thing is, I'm going to keep poking you with a stick and tempt you and blackmail you and play with you. And the Borg are exactly the opposite. Yeah. They are 180 degrees away from what Q does. They're just relentless, implacable, indifferent. No fun. I mean, Q would not have fun We're with no them. Fun. And it makes you wonder if these sour-faced future humans are the only characters in the galaxy that Q can actually have fun with because they've lost all sense of humor and, and, and they're as serious as shit. He likes kind of poking them around and getting them miffed and, and pissed off. The Borg wouldn't do a thing. They would just, they would sacrifice themselves to uh, try to destroy him. The Borg don't even pay attention to you when you're on their ship. You're invading your ship and you're touching their babies and the Borg don't care. <laughs> Wait, right? those babies, man. The Borg come onto the Enterprise first, right? Picard goes down to the engine room. Geordi says, hey, we've got an intruder. Apparently, after all these entities and any, everything, nobody's alarmed about intruders on this ship still. No. I know we've talked about this, but I don't know how long it takes for a person to do a walk from the bridge of the Enterprise all the way down to the engine room. But I'm thinking maybe five minutes. Right, uh, right. Okay. Come on, Mr. Wolf. Let's get into the lift. There's no running. There's no, there's no, <laughs> la-di-da, la-di-da, Mr. Wolf. There's nothing. There's no double timing or anything. Right. You get down there and, and mercifully, 
the Borg tech isn't fast enough just to download every single thing on the Enterprise instantly. It takes a while to upload into this creepy monster's mainframe. So he's 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 trying to access the ship. They come in, and Worf stands there. And he's got a couple of ensigns with him. Right. It's Picard, Worf, a couple of ensigns. Jordy's like, dude, look over there. There's a Borg, dude. Hey, holy shit. Hello, Wolf, do something. <laughs> it's like, well, Picard's first thing is like, hello, we mean you no harm. Would you Would you like to come and have a spot of tea in the ready room? Uh, we we can't allow you to, to mess with the ship, but, Take you know, care. hey, what's up? And then Q's like, excuse me. He's like, that dude does not even care about you, man. Right. He's not listening to you. You're uh, nothing to him, man. Uh, Pat, it doesn't matter. And Worf is, you know, Worf's been begging for action for the last number of episodes. And here's his mm-hmm. opportunity. And what does he do? He tells Ensign Redshirt to to <laughs> to <laughs> grapple it's, with him. It's, it's such a funny moment because Picard says, Mr. Worf. And Mr. Worf goes, uh, Ensign? <laughs> it's not even like maybe i'll take it no probably shouldn't let me yeah, maybe i'll it's just immediately and then Enton goes over there and gets right. his chest caved in because he gets pushed by the borg and michael dorn's like uh do you do you understand what happens every time i tussle with something <laughs> they've got to reapply my makeup each time god damn it he whips out the phaser and shoots him and it doesn't work and then he still Shooting looks at Picard like uh i shot the borg it didn't work what do you want me to do now captain well, look at the... And Picard's like, shoot him harder! <laughs> Remember, Worf, there's three goddamn settings. Turn it up. It's called Kill Man. But that's this whole lackadaisical attitude. I know, that's I think what, what I'm, you said is correct. That's what I'm saying. It's like they're so completely laid back about this. I know. This. It's, so, it's like, where is the emergency in outer space? It makes me wonder because this happens, right? And then the Borg do this corkscrew sampling of the Enterprise. Right. They take out like four decks. 18 people. 18 four decks, people. 18 people die. And you just wonder what those people were doing where they're like, I mean, is there a sense of alarm anywhere on the ship when when that was happening where they're like, honey, honey, I, I, I'm sensing something. Do you are, Look, come here. Look at this. Do you see this? There's like circles being cut into the side of the ship. Do you think... You think it's time to run? I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe we just sit here for a few more moments or uh, uh, join me out in the hall, okay? I'm going to gradually walk out into the hall. Don't forget Timmy on your way (laughs) and and one of those golden retrievers we just bought. Uh, Take him out in the hall before we get, whoa! And then it's just like, can you you guys run in space? Is there a problem? (laughs) Is there a reason you can't run in outer space anymore? It's so funny. Yeah. Honey, I think the neighbors just got explosively decompressed. <laughs> Someone took a core sample of the saucer section here and took the neighbors out. What? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and they, they don't seem to be particularly moved by this. And they don't seem to be particularly scared by it. Yeah. When when the drone is there and Worf shoots, doesn't work, shoots. But there's where is the action? He has been wanting to attack for all this time, and now he actually has a target. I know. Where is all this warrior I bullshit know. of his? Because they just—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's all this like you know, you know, get off your knees and fly bullshit, and none of the actual jump an enemy and try and kill the goddamn thing. I mean, but it's all about production because this episode actually does a lot of things to shoot an action sequence like that. It's like a whole extra day. and I mean, they got a week to shoot this thing. Where are we going to use these days? Instead of that happening, you know, they have Worf stand around and look at things because it's way harder to shoot him jumping in and having some kind of grappling and multi-cameras and stuff because the Borg were all really being shot from this one angle. Because what happens is in a few more minutes, 
they decide they're going to invade the Borg ship. And then we get a brand new set. Thank God they get off of that Enterprise and we get this creepy sequence where Worf, Riker and Data invade the Borg vessel. Before that happens, yeah. they have a meeting. Oh, they have yeah, a don't meeting. Forget, and right. I wanted Sonia Gomez to come in with like a tray of cocoa for everyone. <laughs> That'd be good. But they have a goddamn meeting. It's like, this is an emergency. The situation's really dire. What are we going right. to do? Should we hit the red alert or should we go sit down and talk it out a little bit? Right. Uh, Mr. Data, can you put together a PowerPoint for us? <laughs> and maybe we could just zoom no, I guess we could just go ahead and meet in the actual conference room physically. Everyone, social distancing. It shouldn't be a problem. I have my laser pointer. Number one, toss me one of those dry erases. Number one, I've told you before, I prefer the blue highlighters. The blue, number one. It's, the, the green ones get all over my fingers, and then when I rub my bald head, I get these crazy marks on me, and you're laughing at me. Because I can't see them from behind, but you know you see them. They stain my pelt. What the hell? And I they know. do this a couple of times. It's like, okay, something terrible has happened. Let's go sit down and have a meeting about it. And, and of course, this is one of the most often mocked uh, parts of Next Generation. This absolute need to constantly take everything to the boardroom there yeah, and hash I, it out. And then and, and Picard's like, well, what do the shareholders think? <laughs> what would the shareholders, how many points will this cost us on the market if we actually don't die this time? Right. I know it's, it's, it's a funny thing because, you know, the show is emulating what is going on behind the scenes when they're making the show. You know, these writers are all sitting around in a writer's room all the time behind these desks at a big conference table trying to figure out what to do with these characters and what they project onto these characters is what they are doing in the writer's room at Paramount. How about if we get all these characters together that could uh, do really active things and they'll sit around at the writer's room table? I mean, how glorifying is that? They'll sit around at the writer's room table and, and talk it out. Picard should at least have a crawler. You know, he's nipping at a crawler or a maple bar or something. It's like, number one, save the jelly field for the others. I want some of those beautiful little sand. Who makes those sandwiches? Is it Guinan? Those beautiful little finger sandwiches. Can you get a few of those data before the next meeting? I know there's a giant <laughs> death cube outside the spaceship right now, but I really do fancy a few finger sandwiches. <laughs> And Data precisely, like, laser cuts the triangle sandwiches, takes the crusts off for the captain with his phaser, right? He's like, <laughs> Captain, here's your cucumber sandwich, Captain. Just as you and like. I took the crust off <laughs> with my phaser. So they go over then, like, after they've been invaded, the, the and after they've been cored, the Enterprise, that is, then our away team, they decide, I, I think this is against Q's judgment, they decide... Against everyone, and against Guinan's, too. Yeah, Guinan's like, don't do it. Nuts. Don't, don't go over there, you're going to start something, and, and which they actually do. They go on board, they invade the Borg ship, and, act, and this is the part, when I watched this episode the very first time, I remember going, wait a second, yes! We're doing something yes, now. Yes, yes, We're going, yes. they're doing something exciting. And and so they go into the ship. It's creepy as shit. you got all these Borgs, and they're in these, they're those like, little pods. They're like those charging units. units. They're yeah, charging charging stations. They don't engage with the Enterprise crew because they don't see them as a threat. You know how we like to talk about having a space walkabout? Yeah. They, yeah. they have a little Borg walkabout, 
And for all the money they saved in the Royale, they really spent a ton of it here and dressing up this great oh, looking set yeah. and, and a lot of effects. I also like the fact that they're, you know, they're looking for stuff. They're looking for like the bridge of the ship, but the Borg ship doesn't work that way. Right. And just like we've always seen them reach some sort of understanding with other civilizations when they find like a common thread or a common trait, it's like here now they're not going to find one. This is like this group of so called individuals facing a collective that they, they can't even conceptualize that and how that operates. And the show can't either, I should say. I mean, they change it in first contact, they create the Borg Queen because you don't have right. a personality to play off against. They're a force not a personality, and it's hard to play off against that. And then when they come back and, and Lore is in charge of the Borg, right? There's got to be some point person for them to react to. But they're so out of their depth because they're just like, so where's the bridge? There's no bridge. You right. know what? Everything is so decentralized. And then they find the nursery. Oh, yeah. So they're standing there's Riker, and they hear the sound like this uh, mu- muffled, you know, it's not crying. It's like baby wow. sounds. And you open up, and Riker opens up this drawer, and there's like a baby Borg in the drawer. And the thing is, yeah. they didn't make it gory or scary. So you got this regular baby, like a cute baby with <laughs> with Borg gear on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was in the real world, and there was like a race of cyborgs that were like somehow birthing human babies. Right. And then cutting them apart and putting gadgets on them and like making them cyborgs because that's what the Borg are doing. You don't have a happy baby you pull out of a drawer. It's a that's a that's a very unhappy soon to be once human being in the drawer. That's one pissed off baby. It's going to be a colicky. And what's weird in this scene to me is that that is horrifying. You open this drawer up and you see a cyborg baby. And Riker's response because he's so civilized is not. Data is fascinating, like Spock used to for the very first time, and it's a great line. But then Riker kind of looks at it like, well, different strokes for different folks, man. <laughs> well, he's a bachelor. He doesn't want no damn baby. If he brought that thing back, Picard's like, you all stuck with it now, number one. And then suddenly it's courtship of Eddie's father. I mean, he doesn't want to deal with that. But listen, in the real world, like where you still have feelings back here, you know, in the 20s, it's like the, the plot would then be, let's rescue all of the babies off of this ship right now. Let's get the babies out of here, okay? Like, they're babies that are being turned into these monsters. And instead, it's like, oh, this is how their culture works. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a prime directive, booby. Yeah, we, I mean, that's just, how they, that's just how they roll. Yeah, yeah. Babies aside, I mean, this is what they do. So yeah, we we may not be comfortable with it, but that's just their their thing. That's how they roll. Right. right. This was before the whole assimilation thing, right? So. Fortunately, they got rid of that concept of babies in drawers. But there's still a baby that is being transformed into a cyborg. It's not right. I mean, you can't look at that and go, yeah, no, interesting. It's not interesting. It's, a, it's horrifying is what it is. And and if you had any sense of humanity, you would open the door and go, ah! You know, it's, no. <laughs> it's like the, the way that these people aren't surprised by anything. It, it's beyond right. me. You Picard, a couple episodes ago, ran into his duplicate. You know, instead of freaking his shit out, he's just annoyed by him. Well, he was uptight. He kept his feelings inside. You're irritating me, me. They notice the ship is regenerating. They're like, nothing's going on. I wonder what's happening. It's because the ship's regenerating. And they finally do something that makes sense. They they, they make a fucking run for it. And it's kind of interesting to me because it's the same thing they did. The same thing they did in Farpoint with, with Q, right? They had Q chasing them. 
And now they have the Borg chasing them, and they can't outrun the Borg either. But I'm going to tell you, you know it's going to piss me off, and you know I'm going to say it. Why the f*** do they make a U-turn? So the Enterprise (laughs) is sitting there in front of that Borg ship. The the Enterprise is dwarfed, and we know the Enterprise is a huge ship, right? We know it's gigantic. And it's dwarfed by that Borg cube. And instead of just putting the thing in reverse and taking off, they go towards it and make that (laughs) U-turn. And it drives me crazy. It has to be like that. No, it doesn't. You can't have it back up. You look how goofy that would look. Of course you could have it back up. You had the you had the Enterprise NCC 1701A made a three-point fucking turn in um, Star Trek <laughs> when? 3 when they're running from the Starbase. When they're running away from the Excelsior to make the Starbase. They're in the Starbase. They're docked. They make a three-point turn to get out. Either way. Either way, regardless of that, the sick. Enterprise D could doesn't even need to. It, it's got jets. Just spin on its axis to turn to face the other direction. It's a, the narrative, man. You just got to follow the direction of the front of the ship. That's all there is to Fucking it. Fucking U turn. You've got to be kidding me. Floor it. Haul ass out of here, Mr. Data. Put your pedal to the metal, man. There you go. Put that robot foot to good use for once. Let's get fast and furious. Hit that gas like it's Lieutenant Yar. <laughs> Next stop. The other side of the galaxy, Mr. Data. And of course it doesn't work, and the Borg ship catches them, and they're about to cut into the Enterprise again. Right. And what does Johnny do? Oh, my God. And it's a great scene, because then, you know, Q tries to influence the situation again, and and Q realizes that the Borg are coming, they're going to destroy the Enterprise, and he's like, hey, hey, fellas, I'm out of here. He basically wants Picard to admit he's arrogant, admit he's wrong, and beg him because right, the whole thing that's been egging this on is Picard insisting that they're perfectly fine. Right, we've got it under control. Yeah. We can figure this out. We're smart. We're humans. We had the whole first contact happen with that guy from Babe and everything. We're okay. <laughs> we've got it under under control, man. And that's what I was saying earlier. It's really Picard's arrogance that is, is his overconfidence that they have everything under control that eggs Q on. Right. And whether Q came to this situation with this plan of mind or whatever, we'll never know. Right. But it doesn't help that Picard's like, we don't need your omnipotent ass here poking us. <laughs> you know, we can do whatever we want. We're fine. With seasoned travelers, Q, give me a break. In the end, he has to, the Borg are coming, and he's like, if you, if you... He says, and Q, end this. And Q says, moi, what makes you think I'm either inclined or capable to terminate this encounter, dum-dum? <laughs> and Picard says, if we all die here now, you will not be able to gloat. You wanted to frighten us, we're frightened. You wanted to show us we're inadequate. For the moment, I grant that. You wanted me to say, I need you. I need you, Q. Yes, and Q actually is generous and says that was a difficult admission. You know, another man would have been humiliated. I, I, I respect that, and, and Q shows some respect. I also like the fact that that particular sequence, Picard starts, yeah. you know, talking about if all of us die, if us, you know, you want us frightened, yes. we're inadequate, and then it ends up with, okay, I need you. I, I mean, it does make it much more personal. I know, and I think, you know, even talking about this now, I feel like this episode's got a lot of depth with that relationship between those two. I think that they're really getting into something here 
that we're going to see play out again. It's probably what was meant to be the focus of the first two Q visits. And, and, and I don't think we we're getting the gravity of it until this one. Picard admits as much. Right. And says perhaps what we most needed was a kick in our complacency. The, the Federation has been doing rather well for itself. And especially this first season and how many now, a season and three quarters here that Almost we've gone there. through. Right. Yeah. Inter- Enterprise D has been doing fine. And right. they've yeah. they've faced some dire threats, but they've always come out of it fairly, you know, with the exception of the loss of Tasha Yar and now 18 crew members. Right. They've come out of it fairly unscathed. Well, what and about now- when that uh, O'Connor was on the ship? Think about all the STDs going all over <laughs> those lower decks. Think about all the space spirochetes. Unscathed. Well, but now now they're scathed. So some lives have been lost here and yeah, there, right? I mean, the, uh, the, yeah. the ensign who ends up dead because uh, Nagilam decides he wants to experiment. And we, we've lost a few, you know one or two people here and there, right. but we've never lost 18 altogether. It's a lot of people. And, and they've never been as outgunned as this, right? right. So Q, Q is a menace, but he's not preying on them in the sense that he doesn't want to murder them all right or or strip the ship of all its technology and just dispose of them and again they even face down the romulans the klingons are now allies and and they've been they've been having it pretty easy and now it's like look guess what they stomped on all those bugs at the end of the first season remember exactly I like the ramping it up and it makes sense and and this is my hope is moving forward that you know, with with this with the threat of the Borg, that it's it's going to step things up in the in the universe. Gosh, what do you say we uh, we we uh, close the uh, the the lid on the box that is this episode? Wow, do you think we answered the question? Q who? Oh, <laughs> wonderful! Uh, Q who, Dave? Isn't the answer all of us? Who are you? Who who? Who who? I said, who the hell are you, Q? <laughs> so, um, Andrew, what's up next? We've got episode seventeen. Oh, episode seventeen is kind of fun. It's a little a little baby called the Samaritan Snare uh, uh, and um, the Return of Sonia Gomez. Oh, God bless it, Sonia. So, if you can't get enough of our nonsense, then why don't you go over to our beautiful website? At it is beautiful. Uh, TNGEEZ.com, where we have links to all these fabulous episodes and all kinds of other nonsense, some videos, and I, I think it's Galaxy Class Horseplay. We're also on uh, Facebook, we're on the Twitter, we're on the YouTube, Everywhere. we're on the Instagram. Don't forget to look for our holiday recipes coming out. <laughs> So you can relish in your new body. We're going to post the rules for Cornhole. I'm Commander Davy Dave. <laughs> and I'm Ambassador Andrew. And you've been listening to STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. I would like to assimilate this podcast into the collective network. Let's go mind the store. Oh, 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 excuse me. I, I was enjoying a cup of hot cocoa with Captain Sonia Gomez. Mmm, she makes the best replicator hot chocolate. Oh, and by the way, on the next episode of STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. 
You've got a galaxy-class spaceship. Get in it. Prepare yourself for the Samaritan Snare. It's episode 17 of season 2. But but what's the fatality rate of galaxy-class starships? We've seen like three of them explode. Commander Riker plays captain. Why don't you spread your legs on when I put my hair on, Commander Riker? And believe it or not, Deanna Troy is incredibly useful. Because Troy comes in and says he's in great danger. He's in great danger, Commander Riker. He's in great danger. And instead of him reacting to that, he's like, huh, you don't say. The boys talk lunch in space. They're the tiniest fucking sandwiches. I know. And then Picard acts like he's never eaten a sandwich in his life. He holds it with two hands. And he's nibbling at it like a fucking hamster. Look out. Samaritan Snare might just grab your heart. Riker, Riker, is that chick who works in engineering who spilled the hot chocolate on me still on board? Hey, thank you for the hot chocolate, Captain. Ow! Ow, damn it! You spilled it all over me! Just make it after all. Boop, 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 meow.